Dear brothers and sisters, now is the time to open your eyes. Ministers are planning legal action to restrict public protests during the London Olympics, amid fears that Britain could be disrupted by lengthy and high-profile demonstrations. And this is the eclipse of May the 12th, of May the 20th, 2012. It's going to be seen here, United States and Mexico too. It's going to be the return of Quetzalcoatl, of Kukulkan, of the Messiah. The Book of Enoch is named for a man who's mentioned in one sentence in the Book of Genesis. We only know one sentence worth of information about it. And yet, somebody stopped, paused on that name, and thought, hmm, Enoch. Taken up into heaven, what might he have seen? You're listening to Canary Cry Radio. Now, here are your hosts, Basil and Gons. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Canary Cry Radio. Thanks for tuning in again on episode nine. Number nine. Um, nine, it's almost ten. Um, if you're tuning in from Twitter, thanks a lot, and Facebook, and also YouTube, and Revelations Radio Network. And if you got a uh, uh, referral from our buddy um, over Johnny. at the Iron Show, Johnny Iron. What's we, up? What's up? <laughs> Johnny, I got a little thing for you. So anyway, anyways, we wanted to uh, jump right in because there's a lot to talk about today and yes. we're short on time. And so okay. we want to start it off by talking about the London Olympic Games. And this this was brought up by a listener that lives in London um, right. and he sent us an email and uh, his name's Anna or Anna, A-N-A. I don't know. Okay. Anna. Anna. Hello. Hello, listener. Anna. 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 Um, and uh, I think it's a he, maybe not a she. I don't know. Because the email. Tell us. Anna, email us again. Yeah. And a guy is the so. email. So anyway, this person wrote, firstly, I want to say I love your radio station. Um, it's so refreshing because when I try to talk about these issues with other Christians, most are uninterested or deny some of the evidence that is out there. Well, we feel you. We feel you. Definitely. That's why we're doing the show. Uh, secondly, I live in London, UK, and there are clips on the internet stating, stating that Illuminati are planning to attack the London 2012 games and the surrounding underground, underground tube lines, possibly with bombs and re- releasing toxic chemicals around the stadium and the tube system to such a degree, it would be unsafe to be in London. I don't want to be fearful or paranoid, but at the same time, I don't want to take any risks. Have right. you heard anything similar, or what is your take on this? And that's right. an email from Anna. All right. Well, yes. Um, there's a lot to say about this uh, situation, and there are a lot of very, very interesting pieces of information that all sort of point towards some suspicious activity for the London Games in 2012. Um, first, I'd like to talk about, I think we should just spend... Uh, one minute on the design of the yeah. stadium yeah. for the 2012 uh, Olympics. 
So the stadium for the 2012 London Olympics, we're, we're going to post some pictures on the show notes and things like that, along with a lot of links. But to look at this thing with any knowledge of the Illuminati or Illuminati symbolism. Or, or just, any- just if you have a dollar bill, just pull out a dollar <laughs> yeah, bill. Exactly. Turn it you over. A dollar bill, turn it over, take a look, and then put it next to um, some aspects of the stadium. First of all, um, it's shaped like an eyeball. From an aerial view. Yeah, aerial view, which, you know, stadiums could coincidentally look like eyeballs, but we'll let you take a look at this one. It's I I'm, I think it, it comes fully equipped with an iris and, uh, yeah. you know, everything like that. But what really got me and what I just, I literally laughed to myself alone in my room when I saw this, <laughs> um, just because of the sheer blatancy of this. The, the, the stadium lights are in the shape of a pyramid or a triangle with the top uh, portion of the pyramid being the, the top stone um, where the eye of Horus is positioned is completely illuminated with these <laughs> blinding lights. I mean, you look at the thing and it's, it's basically the whole thing is surrounded by these um, illuminist triangles with the eyes of Horus just shining down on the Olympic Games. And it is just mind It's awesome. It's, I, the, it's awesome. The fact that it's so blatant and we can look at this and just uh, it just appreciate the blatancy that they've totally come out with with this. And then, you know, and you try to tell people and, you know, it doesn't really come across. Well, it's, it's like one of those things. I, I was cracking up too the first time I saw it, but... It's like lights don't have to be shaped that way at all. There's like no reason for lights to be like that, but you know, yeah, yeah, awesome. Exactly. There's, there's no ergonomic reason. It's not even really that aesthetically pleasing to have the lights it like, like that. So it is just a, 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 a great um, wink, wink to the Illuminati and their involvement in whatever's going to happen in the 2012 London Olympics, which brings us to um, the cards, the cards, the card game. Now, I don't know how many of you uh, know about this, but there's a card game, an Illuminati card game that came about, uh, what is it, 20 years ago? 25 yeah, years 20 ago? years ago, about now. Yeah, yeah, about 20 years ago, this card game um, came out uh, called the Illuminati card game or something to that nature. Yeah, Google it, check it out. But this thing is, it's scary. And I've even talked to my dad about this and lots of different people about this. And it's, it even blows the minds of the, of the unbelievers. Yeah. So really take a look at this. And, and this is an awesome tool to, uh, to, to share with people. Well, basically, you know, first off, there's 330 cards uh, in the set. And obviously, if you know anything about the occult, the number 33 is a very important number. 33 degree Freemason, so forth. Um, and, you know, we, we can't go through every card, obviously, because there's 330 of them and that would take forever. Uh, there are people that have gone through it. And uh, if, if I find a link for it, I can post it in the show notes. But... Um, Essentially, it goes through a lot of the the plans of the Illuminati. Um, you know, obviously, an economic collapse. Um, but the one that really just you know jumped out at people was obviously two thousand one September eleventh, 
uh, the two towers going down. It and is out of control. The <laughs> pictures on these cards. Yeah, it's it's like pretty. You, it's pretty. Eerie. At, and, and granted, this is these were made ten to fifteen years before um, any any of the of the things on the card started happening. There's a. Oh, I wish I had it right in front of me. I gotta start having stuff right in front of me. There's a card called uh, "Terrorist Nuke" or like "Terrorist Attack" or something. Right. And on the card, manufactured 10, 15 years before 9/11, is a picture of the twin towers with almost an identical explosion in sort of the center of the first tower there. Um, and it's just mind blowing. To look at this and and you, instantly you have the feeling that you know <laughs> a, a quote that is so popular nowadays that nine uh, eleven was an inside job, right. which I think we can all start agreeing with. So um, another, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say some more of them um, that are just so blatant and just so. Just I'm telling you, you got to look into the card game. Show it to your non-believing friends. This is. Um, just the icing on the cake for any sort of evidence that you need to give. Um, let's see. There's nuclear, one for an oil spill, nuclear accident, the nuclear one. accident. There's one for oil spill. There's right. one that coincides with uh, swine flu. There's one that coincides with, um, what is it? I don't know. I, I, just name a natural disaster, name a um, public health, issue in the past 10 years 10 12 years and they're in the cards it's there and i was reading up on the rules of the cards and what you need to do is you need to go through these actions in order to gain power in the game right and so you play your pandemic card and you get points and you and you get power points or whatever and and it's just unbelievable <laughs> and now you now you go through these cards and you look at the ones that have already happened um, you know, throughout the, throughout the century, but especially the ones in the past 10, 12 years. And it actually starts to become very sobering because they, they are so um, exact and they're so detailed in the real events of the history of the last decade. Um, a Pentagon attack is one. Yeah. Um, just every, just pick one and, and they're in the deck. But the very last one that has not happened yet is the pandemic card. Right. And that's sort of the one that um, is, you know, the, the big, big, nice card to have. Right. And the, the reason why we brought this up is because, um, you know, based on the, the email we got, um, one of the really eerie uh, cards is called Combined Disasters. Oh, and yeah. basically on this card, I'm going to read it, what it says here. It says... You may combine two disasters on the same uh, on the same place as long as both are eligible to be used on it. Uh, play both of the disaster cards as well. Pick one disaster to be the main one, and follow all the instructions on its card. Add the power, but none of the other effects to, uh, of the other disaster. And the image that's on here, first off, is uh, Big Ben. You know the big the big clock in London right. coming down. Right. Uh, which obviously, you know, London Olympics uh, happening. But what's strange is the colors of uh, these uh, men and women um, that are in the in the image. Um, the colors of the shirts that these people are wearing represent uh, the Olympic rings. So the Olympic rings are blue, yellow, 
black, green, and red. That represents the colors of the five uh, Olympic rings. And when you look at the, uh, the people wearing the shirts, they have red, blue, yellow, green, and I guess they don't have black, it's white instead, but it's just it's eerie. close enough. <laughs> it's just eerie. Uh, why, yeah, why would they have that, you know, the color sequence to even begin with? Um, so, you know, I, I think this is one of those wild cards of like, you know, it's been a target for the Illuminati for a long time. And you got to remember what their goal is, is population reduction. They, they right. want to depopulate the world. Right. And, um, Which is why the pandemic card is one of the most powerful cards in the game. Yeah. And, and when we start looking at what's being set up, and there's a lot of talk about what may happen at the Olympics. And, you know, I, I'm, I don't know if something happens, it's going to be, uh, you know, Big thing for, I guess, the conspiracy-minded person saying, I told you so. But, I mean, I, right. I really hope nothing happens. I, I really hope that it's, right. you know, there's enough awareness out there now that the Illuminati don't do anything. You know what I mean? They're they're scared because they're, you know, that there's there's so many people informed now um, that that they they just, you know. Yeah, you know, you'd like to think that. Right. <laughs> we would like to think that. Um, that you know that uh, spreading the word has done enough to at least hold them at bay, but uh, as much as I don't want things to happen, um, obviously I want the best for the world and the population of London. You know, um, but the signs are just very. Um, it does worry me a little bit. Yeah, it's and the eerie. fact that I mean there is a lot. Um, on the internet and going around about different warning signs and different things that that point to an actual sort of attack somewhere but you know it doesn't take much to to get me worried the eyes of Horus shining down on the yeah. olympics and the the uh what is it the, the stadium. um the stadium and the un military police right. um doing the the uh the security for the event and things like this. I mean, there have been situations before where um, the military police have just rounded up huge crowds of people. You don't hear a lot about it, but it happened in the seventies. It's happened all over the place right. where they would just, they'll just round up people and put them in sort of internment camps for right. a little while. Um, okay. Just for, you know, for safety reasons, you know, quote unquote. Yeah. Another, um, another device that that's been reported as, potentially being used is a sonic device. It's called right. uh, L LRAD. It's a long range acoustic device. Right. And um, it's used to send verbal warnings over long distance um, through a beam. And yeah. I know I've heard stories in the past about, you know, the American military using this device to um, speak into uh, the enemy's you know, if they're in another la a country or something, they'll use someone who speaks the language and they'll like send these messages and these people think it's God talking right. to them. And, right. uh, you know, they'll, they'll stop or they'll listen to the voice or whatever. I mean, this stuff is scary. Exactly. No. And that's the thing. It's, it's under the patent. It's patented under the U S air force. And, and it literally will send audio signals into your head there. You're not actually listening to them, right, right. but you're receiving them in, in your head and you are, you know, whatever they're giving to you is what you're taking in. And, you know, it's just one of those things that hasn't been talked about a lot. 
Yeah, and for a very didn't, didn't specific they have reason. it? Didn't they have it in like advertisement in uh, New York or something? They tested it out. Uh, I, I don't remember what came of it, but they, I, I recall hearing something about it a couple years ago where they where they tested this device as you know a, a tool for advertising right in, in New York. I mean, right. That's I just- mean the the thing just sounds like such science fiction, but I mean you need to slow down a second and realize that we have what other things that we have nowadays that seem like science fiction. Well, obviously we have, harp harp is the big one. That's oh, it's, harp. it's, it's that's pretty, true. it's, it's coming out in the open uh, yeah. more so well, now I mean, and countries are blaming other countries for using it and stuff like that. So it's not so much a secret anymore, but uh, well, exactly. And I mean, it's, it's, I don't think I, you know, I was talking to my friend about this and I was telling him about um, Elrad, and of course, it's like you know, it's not received very well because it just sounds too bizarre. But something sounding too bizarre is exactly what is being what the media is being designed to, you know, to program you to think yeah. that you you know things progression and things like this don't exist to this extent, and it's just naive to think that. Um, Technologies like that don't exist and haven't been used. Right. Yeah. And, right. and, you know, I've even heard rumors about a UFO, uh, like a false flag UFO attack, either an attack or, or a, a mass landing or, or you know, uh, a major sighting. Um, and, and those things also, the technology is there to, uh, you know, to, to, to do some of those things as well, as far as. Project Bluebeam and that's I was just going to bring up Project Bluebeam. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, a few weeks ago, they there was a big thing on the internet about showing uh, Tupac at uh, what, what concert was it? The um, I can't remember which concert. It was, it was Coachella. Coachella, yeah, and he came out on stage. Obviously, it wasn't the real Tupac Shakur, the the rapper, uh, but it was a hologram of him. It was actually two dimensional, but you know, and. Watching it on video, and I guess I remember you said something about you had a friend that was there, and you could tell it was like a hologram or whatever. But um, you know, th- those things are starting to come out in the mainstream, and some of the the conversations of people were having about it were like, oh, you know, if people dig this, then you know we're going to start seeing tours with the Beatles and Jimi Hendrix, and they're going to start bringing out all these uh, famous musicians that have passed away and resurrect them you know, and, and you can go see them live because it's, which is a brilliant business plan. Oh yeah. I, if you, you got to give it, kudos to somebody yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. But at the same time, that technology being out in the open now, I mean, what's, what, what does the Illuminati have or, you know, the powers that be, what, what, what do they have that they can use to really create some kind of, you know, mass deception. Right. Uh, well, exactly. And the project Bluebeam, which a lot of people have, have lost their lives over, um, uh, you know, pursuing or investigating, uh, is designed to make a population believe that, uh, the second coming has right, come or right. God has come down from the heavens. Uh, there's, you know, in the early, um, sort of, uh, what is it in the early stages dealing with Saddam Hussein, they tested it over there to try to get the people to think that, you know, they need to rise up against Saddam Hussein and they uh, implemented project blue beam and thing. And it wasn't as successful as they wanted, but here we are, what, 20, 25 years later or something. Um, and, 
you can just imagine. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of um, another event that happened probably in 2009, I believe. It was the end of 2009. Uh, the Norway Spiral. Do you remember right. that? Right. That was a trip. I remember watching that and thinking, what in the world is that? And then they came out and they're like, oh, it was just a missile. Missiles yeah. don't do that. I mean, come on, you know? Um, so, I mean, you know, and there was all those rumors about it was while Obama was in Norway and, you know, so who knows what kind of stuff they have and who knows what that was, you know, that was a really strange event. Um, and it was, right. out and, and it's and, not, it's uh, how in the world could something like the Norwegian spiral be seen? And for those of you who don't know about it, it's uh, look it up. Yeah. Just <laughs> it's a, type a, a giant spiral, spiral that appeared um, in December of 2009 above Norway and was just, the just most bizarre thing. It's and how bizarre. in the world is it not common knowledge? Yeah, yeah. How is it not? How can you not just walk around and ask to talk to people about the Norwegian spiral? Because it's just the most insane thing to have been seen by, well, I don't know, tens of thousands of people at least. Yeah, yeah. And I remember bringing it up to some people, you know, some friends, and they were like, wow, that's weird. And that was it. That was their thought. And, yeah. and it's nothing more than that. And it's like, hey, man, but you realize what this could potentially yeah. mean, and you know, nobody well, wants to really. Granted, that. granted, a lot of people just don't want to think about it. Uh, if you're if you're listening to the show, then you you know you're starting to open up to some real to some real truths here. Yeah. And I'm sure you know friends and family who you know you try to tell them and they completely shut down. And I'll tell you right now, it's not because they don't love you. It's not because they. Uh, a lot of times it's not because they don't believe it is a lot of times they just don't want to hear about it. Yeah, yeah. I've talked to, I've talked to people who, who simply told me, I don't, I, you know, I really don't want to hear about it. It makes me uncomfortable to think about it. And I'd rather not think about it, yeah. you know? And it's, that's the truth. I mean, you got to give some people a little bit of slack with this. We well, can't course. call them all naive and ignorant and things like that, even though technically ignorant is the definition of what they're being. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, as some people just aren't strong enough for that. So I just want to commend all of you listening um, in here that, you know, to really be strong enough to embrace the truth. But, you know, at the same time, give some other people a little bit slack and maybe try to ease them into some things like the Norwegian spiral or, you know, the, uh, eye of Horus, um, the Olympic stadium is, is going to be just so obvious. Olympic stadium. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so just, you know, for, for, uh, Anna or Anna, I keep, you know, I'm probably butchering this person's name, but anyway, yeah, email I, us again. Yeah. Email us again with a, a full description of the, say hi. Of the name. <laughs> um, I, I would say that, you know, uh, really pray about it. Um, you know, do what the spirit is telling you to do. And, and, you know, I think I wouldn't be against a really convenient vacation during that time anyway, mm -hmm. just because like, unless you have a business or something, you're going to want to get really, out of town anyway. Yeah. So this going to be crazy. I mean, of millions of people coming in. You just want to go out into the country and just, uh, well, I mean, I mean, relax. unless you have like a really important job that, you know, you can really capitalize. And even then it's like, you know, I don't know. Or it, just have a plan. Just be prepared. Just in yeah, case. Yeah, just, just have you a know, plan. You don't want to live. We don't live in fear. We yeah. don't live with the expectation of evil prevailing. Um, you know, we we all live in peace um, with, with um, you know, with the, with, the, with the big guy. So 
just know if you can't get away, if you don't want to, you know, take a vacation with the family, at least be prepared for something to happen yeah. and, and, you know, be ready to stay calm and do what you need to do. Yeah. Because in, in light of something happening, you will be, um, a foundation. Uh, you will be the rock basically that will help people through, you know, whatever goes on. So right. Right. That, that's probably, I mean, and maybe, and maybe that's just what you're there for. Exactly. Maybe that's your reason to be there. Exactly. Why you can't get out. So be just have your eyes open at all times for, um, for opportunities like that. Yeah. And keep in mind that, you know, it's not your plan. So yeah. if, if, uh, you know, it's not so easy to get away or something, um, be ready to take, uh, take a stand, take control and help out your neighbors and, um, be a, a light. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a natural occurring event, quote unquote, happening this weekend. Uh, as we record this, what a quote. <laughs> Whoa. um, so there's going to be a solar eclipse on right. Sunday, this upcoming Sunday. And I'm looking at the, uh, I was looking at the Wikipedia page and you know, this, this is not going to apply to like people listening after May 20th of 2012. Uh, but if at least, they are listening, yeah, if they are listening or, you know, if, if, yeah, if something happens, then maybe there will be no one to listen to it. But anyway, um, so I'm going to the Wikipedia page and, uh, yeah, you know, solar eclipse, May 20th, 2012 in, in North America, it really literally like in the afternoon out here, it's going to slam California and yeah, pretty California much the United should States. be the place to be. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a pretty big deal. And, you know, it, it could be just nothing. But at the same time, I, I remember seeing a guy, um, a UFO researcher, who looked at some crop circles and he tried to uh, decode some of it. This is about 2000. So this is about 12 years ago. And, um, well, actually, I didn't see it in 2000, but this is when this guy did this research. And he found that the the code that was in the crop circle was that the eclipse of May 20th, 2012 signals the return of Quetzalcoatl, the feathered serpent. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you're listening to this past May 20th, 2012, and there's a feathered serpent flying around, you'll know why. It's right. the eclipse. <laughs> right. Well, it's, I mean, it's very interesting just in, in light of everything going on, because I've heard Quetzalcoatl be referenced to um, sort of the coming of the Antichrist as well and have connections there. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, you know, it's a very interesting date. Whether, um, you know, the earth shakes and the, uh, you know, a giant serpent comes from the sky or, you know, the ground opens up, there will be a solar eclipse, which will be fun. Um, but, I, you know, I suppose we, we may not know till later exactly. Right. But, you know, keep your ears and eyes open and... Uh, uh, you know, look for anything strange or anything on the news or anything like that. And um, keep in mind that um, it should be interesting whether or not anything like that happens. Solar eclipses are always fun. And you know what's really interesting? Don't look right at it, I yeah, hear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's what's really kind of a, a point maybe to to talk about some things, you know, based on the eclipse is... The fact that from the Earth's perspective, the moon passes in front of the sun and literally it's almost like like a perfect match in size. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and and yeah. to me that that is so not a coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's not. You can't just like randomly have that happen. You know. So I mean, you know, just right. as far. Well, as yeah, that. it's just it's an awesome um, example of the beautiful system that has been created for us here. Um, and yeah, and and one uh, interpretation of that coming from. Um, the studies of this man uh, may mean the dissension of a uh, serpent-like being clothed in feathers, which um, that'd be interesting. <laughs> would be definitely interesting. So, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, yeah, make sure everybody has your your cameras and your phone cameras charged that day. Yeah, um, just in case. And if you happen to get a flying. Um, serpent, feathered serpent. Uh, send us the video first, you know. Yeah, because we want to be the ones to break the news, you know. <laughs> we want to be like we're trying to like do something here. All right, so <laughs> throw us a bone. We'll give you some credit. Yeah. Uh, we'll maybe mention your name or something. Or, I don't know. <laughs> no, just kidding. Well, just let us know. Keep us posted. We love. Uh, by the way, we love everybody's emails. Thank yeah, you so much. It's been awesome. Um, we just love uh, hearing from you guys and and talking with you and uh, uh, discussing questions and things like that. And a lot of you give us some great ideas for shows. So please keep it coming. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess maybe we should move on to Let's, some, some other fancy topic. Yeah. We, we want to jump into uh, the book of Enoch and Enoch. there's a lot to be said for the book of Enoch. You know, there's, there's definitely, some debate out there about whether it's inspired or you know, it's, is it heresy? Is it, you know, there, there's just all sorts of stuff out there. Um, right. and you know, there's people that have said, Oh, Enoch is part of the lost books. You know, it's a book that's missing and, and, uh, it completes the Bible and all this stuff. And there's a lot of theories. Um, and I, I, for one am open to the possibility that it is inspired mainly because it's quoted in the Bible and there's, certain references that happened. Uh, a couple facts though, is that it was written. Um, well, first off it, it's a compilation. So there's, it, there's fragments and pieces of all sorts of different time periods. Um, mainly I, I believe it was constructed in around 200 BC uh, by the Jews at the time during the second temple era. And um and we know that it was a widely circulated book in the time of the New Testament because a lot of New Testament authors seem to reference particular right. it seems, points. Seems pretty popular. Yeah. So, um, so in that sense, you know, is it inspired? Who knows? But uh, it is an interesting book to look at if you haven't, um, and definitely should be part of anyone's research library. Yeah, especially in this, and if you listen to this show, hopefully, you, well, hopefully you'll look into it if you haven't already. There's a, there's a lot about um, things like the Watchers and Nephilim and um, all sorts of things like that, and so it's definitely a, a good resource for um, at least looking into that. Right, right. and and what's um, what I found really interesting is that Jude, yeah, okay, so it's it's quoted in Jude. One fourteen. Well, there's only one book of Jude, but fourteen and fifteen, and what Jude writes is, and Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these men. Right. And, and, so it's and, it's it's 
said as a prophecy. Right, right. Um, so, yeah. so it's 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 mentioning that Enoch prophesied, and but what's but then you look at the book of uh, book of Enoch and the first uh, section there, which is the book of Watchers, in the first five chapters specifically, which is probably the best candidate for being uh, inspired, quote unquote. When you read it, it seems like the whoever penned the book of Enoch, whether you know whoever compiled it or wrote it for for that matter in the second century, because we don't know who actually authored it. Um, it you can read it and you can interpret it as this person saying, "I had a vision of Enoch prophesizing, prophesying." Right. So it could be that this prophecy by Enoch was passed down for centuries. You know, maybe written down, maybe word of mouth, but it is definitely solidified as an actual event in in Jude right. by Jude stating that it's you know it was actually prophesied. Um, well, well, that's what I find so interesting is um, you know the debate about if Enoch is inspired or not um, seems to have a lot of different layers because it obviously was not included in the in the first um, <laughs> in the you know, the canon right. uh, as we know it today. But having it referenced like that, now you can look at it a few different ways. Uh, I, I mean, if you look at it culturally, the book was was pretty widely distributed as, as we can think about it now. And even if it's a, a reference to a cultural thing, um, the fact that it's even referenced in canon Right. means that it was inspired to be referenced, which means whatever was referenced from Enoch needs to have some sort of um, importance to the one who inspired it, being God. There, it, nothing in, in the Bible is there on accident, right. and none of it is false. Um, so, so having something referenced by a non-canonical... Canonical. Canonical, yeah, a non-canonical um, book is very interesting, and it doesn't happen a lot. I can't think of one time that it actually happens, other than that, right? Um, so, well, the book of Jasher is mentioned in the Bible, right? Too, well, right, right, exactly. There's debate but, as whether and, if it was just the name or if it's actually referencing the book, right? It's the same kind of debate. Well, it, just following my natural logical uh, steps, and somebody can. Can correct me if I've, I'm just missing something here, but it seems like at least the parts that are referenced should be considered inspired or some sort of uh, it, at least um, what's the word at least verified by an inspired source. Right. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of even if it wasn't inspired, um, you know, it's sort of given a, a thumbs up. It's it's kind of like Josephus. Uh, everyone quotes Josephus to like give that kind of historical context of the New Testament, right? And in Jesus's era, and so it's very similar to that. But I find it interesting that a lot of early church fathers, uh, including um, Athenagoras, Clement of Alexandria, Irenaeus, and uh, Tertullian, who actually said that the Book of Enoch was inspired. And he believed he believed that it was rejected because uh, it rejected by the Jews anyway because it contained the prophecies of Christ. I mean, it talks about right. It, that was one thing I want to talk about was why was it rejected? 
Well, I, I think that's why. It, it's possible that that's partially why it was rejected by the Jews, and maybe that it was already a taboo literature of that time, because I believe it was written by a very small group of, uh, of Jews that were kind of, you know, against the grain, so to speak. They, they weren't kind of part of the mainstream uh, Judaic uh, religion. Well, I wouldn't know what that's like, so. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I think when you start looking at the content, it really does shed light on, like, some very interesting things. Because, one, it, at the beginning, it talks about this wasn't meant to be for the people of the time. It's meant for a future generation. And it's just very interesting that, you know, uh, the, in, in the, uh, the Qumran scrolls the, the, that were discovered in the caves of Qumran, Enoch was a large, you know, fragments of it, not all of it, but, you know, very important fragments of Enoch were found in those, in those caves. And they were preserved somehow. They were preserved, even though there was what seems to be a, a very big conspiracy almost to try to suppress Enoch. You know, they, right. they almost tried to, like, get rid of it completely. Right. Uh, well, a- along with the suppression of the Jews or of the of the Book of Enoch by the Jews, you also wonder why um, it was suppressed by the the Christian establishment right. and not included into the, the Christian canon. And uh, I find it very interesting because there are uh, the Book of Enoch is a very strange um, book, even compared to some other um, books of the Bible, which some other people may think are strange. But it has a lot of explanation um, regarding the history, sort of, the of cultural, humankind. Cultural right. backdrop, almost. Right, of, right, exactly. what's going on. And it talks about some sort of these supernatural things that, uh, that the Bible hints at, um, and, and you're sort of left to um, either take it and just kind of keep going or you kind of try to look into it, but it doesn't really have everything there, um, mainly about the sons of God or the... Um, the watchers. As they're the referring. watchers. Yeah, exactly, the watchers. And so... It, with the book of Enoch basically coming in and telling that story and explaining so much about uh, the effect on human history that the watchers had and on, you know, regarding technology, regarding um, cosmetology, uh, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, basically giving uh, knowledge to human beings, which is also found in in countless ancient cultures where, you know, these beings or these gods or these aliens or what, what have you came down and actually gave um, knowledge and gave weapons and taught them how to sharpen steel and how to take it out of the ground and how to do things with it. Because I always thought, you know, as a kid, I was like, well, who the heck first thought of getting metal out of the ground? Right. You know, how do you accidentally discover iron and accidentally melt it? Like, are you hungry and you can't, you, <laughs> all you have is rocks and you put it in a pot and, but what is the pot made of? Like, I, I just didn't get it. Right. Um, so, and although um, critics may say that, you know, it's sort of a simpleton, naive way to think about it, thinking, you know, like, well, somebody had to show us then. Right. You know, 
but at the same time, it sort of feels right. It sort of makes sense. And, and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would say that, you know, if you read through the book of Enoch, it gets weirder and weirder. And it gets and I, very strange. I, I almost think like, cause some of the books in the, in, in the later portions of the book are said to have been written, you know, 50, 50 to a hundred AD or something. Right. So, which, which is why I like to um, make sure and point out that I, I like to point out that the parts that are referenced by Canon, I believe to be at least getting the thumbs up um, from an inspirational point of view. Right, right, right. So I'm not saying necessarily that because of that, the entire book needs to be taken seriously because um, we just don't have enough to say that. Right. So we, we want to be very uh, uh, just, you know, uh, very conservative with the amount of credit that we give it. Um, and just make sure we stick to facts. Yeah, and and again, it gets really weird and talks about Enoch turning into Metatron, and there's, well, right, it just and gets really an- wacky. Right, and that's another thing: the whole him turning into Metatron. That's a huge part of Illuminati culture. Yeah. So not only is it uh, referenced, you know, in biblical canon, but it's also a huge part of the um, Illuminist. Uh, prophecies and the Illuminous plan right. is this whole Metatron thing, which makes me think of Transformers and just kind of <laughs> right, right. And just wondering why. But it's a huge part of their whole uh, doctrine, if you can call it that. Yeah, and so you know, I, I think it, no one's stopping you from actually reading it. Luckily, we live in a time where it's openly available, so I, I would read through it, you know, and uh, do a study on it. Um, paradoxbrown.com which is um guy malone if you've ever heard of guy malone he did a lot of great work on um on uh, roswell and the ufo stuff uh, a few years ago and uh him and his wife who goes by the name of paradox brown they came out with an article slash video slash podcast thing it's like all in one uh it's called the case against uh the book of enoch and Basically, they do a pretty good study of to show where the Book of Enoch is inconsistent with the Bible. And, and there are places. There are definitely there's, there's a places, lot. Yeah, there's a lot which of places. Is most likely why it was not added in canon. Yeah, and, and they actually dwindle it down to the first five books of the Book of Watchers as p- the best candidate potentially of of being inspired text because there's nothing in there that's um, contradictory to Bible to the Bible. And, it, and in fact, those are the ones being referenced. Yeah, it's the actual place where stuff gets referenced and, and whatnot. So it's probably the best candidate. And, and I would agree with them on that. And uh, so, you know, take it into account and definitely, uh, you definitely know, I, take a look at it. And here's something that I find interesting is the first five books um, are the ones that are, you know, well, not all of them, but the, this is where the reference material comes from that not only seemingly got a thumbs up from, um, from the big guy, the yeah. inspiration giver. Um, but what I find even more interesting is God didn't give him a thumbs down. You right. know? So it's not, that's the, that's the biggest part for me is they didn't get a thumbs down. Right. Even if it's not, even if you cancel out the possibility of a thumbs up, didn't get the thumbs down. But the, the part that I find really interesting is what comes after the first five books are the parts <laughs> that um, are embraced by, 
the secret societies of the New World Order. Yeah. So it's sort of this duality of the Book of Enoch. And I think that maybe even somewhere along the way, and this is sort of evidenced in some of their research, you take a look at it, that there may have been some sort of corruption happening um, with the development, you know, of the gatherings of the books to make the Book of Enoch. Right. And I think it's important for uh, the Christian community to at least acknowledge the Book of Enoch, that it is quoted, that that there is a possibility of a portion of it being inspired text because the book of Enoch is used all over the place by new agers and a lot of esoteric authors and, and stuff like that. And it's kind of like their book now. Like if you watch ancient, <clears throat> excuse me, ancient aliens, you know, they talk about the book of Enoch all the time. You got Von Donnegan coming out and, and hair guy walking around talking about, you know, Enoch and, and how it talks about, Uf, you know, aliens. Obviously, everything's aliens on that show. But, <laughs> but in essence, it's been taken over and used by a lot of people in the wrong context. You know, and well, they, exactly. And and to me, that signals that there may be something in there because that's how deception works. There's right. always a little bit of truth in there, right. but it's just twisted. So, and keeping that into account too, you know, there, there, it makes a lot of sense that a portion of it in there had that has some has some good stuff. Yeah, definitely. So I would I would read it. Um, we'll try to post a PDF link of it in the uh, in the show notes. The show notes, yeah, that's what it's called. And um, Qumran, very interesting place. I just got an email from Randall Price. If you guys have ever heard of Randall Price, he's um, an archaeologist. Has done a lot of great work. Um, I believe he's going to go. He he's the guy that's uh, been trying to discover the uh, of Noah's Ark and um, heard him talk at uh, Branson last year and he was going up there for an expedition. And I think when they went, uh, he had some issues with uh, his computer and satellite interface or something like that. But uh, I guess he's doing another Qumran dig. So maybe he'll find some more stuff that, you know, uh, can be a revelation to uh, our generation that could be what, the book of Enoch was talking about to begin with, you know, this isn't meant for the generation now, but a future generation. Correct. Well, any discovery, any discovery involving his expedition will will just be, uh, just poo-pooed poo-pooed. First of all, (laughs) poo-pooed for those who want to poo-poo it. Right. But you know, we'll just, just be great. I mean, I just don't have any other words for it. Yeah. And he, there's nothing he could find up there. If he finds anything, that just wouldn't excite me to the fullest extent. Yeah. And there's, there's uh you know, in, in the academic world right now, there's an, a couple uh, older, uh, uh, I guess transcripts of, uh, of the book of Mark that's been recently found, I believe. Don't quote me on that, but I think, I think it was the book of Mark that they're looking at right now to see if it's actually authentic. Um, and that would place, I believe, I, I can't remember exactly, but I, I know that there's, discoveries being made in the archaeological world that's placing these uh, New Testament documents closer and closer and closer to, um, you know, within, you know, just a few years after the alleged ascension of Jesus. So, sweet. I mean, that's, that's like pretty exciting just in itself, but uh, it's I think we are done for the night. Yeah. It's very Sounds late good. here in uh, where we are on the planet. 
but <laughs> yeah all right well thanks guys again for tuning in we really enjoy um doing the show and we're really glad that you enjoy it too please keep sending us your emails and your messages and make sure to hook up with us on twitter at canary cry radio um check us out at on facebook so go ahead and search canary cry radio again a big uh what's up to our friend over at the iron show johnny uh, johnny iron so um what else we got anything else did you mention twitter uh i mentioned twitter email address we can uh, you can reach us at canarycryradio.com or canarycryradio at gmail.com would right. be a way to do that and awesome yeah we'll talk to you guys next week hopefully uh, alright guys if the eclipse doesn't swallow us oh yeah don't stare right at the eclipse awesome <laughs>